Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well-known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. If you've listened to me on Moving to Live and our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, before, you know I'm a techno geek or a data geek. I'm excited to have Jason Moore, the founder of Elite HRV, which is a free app for measuring your HRV. Jason and I spend some time talking about his story, about how he began his company, as well as diving down and talking a little bit about HRV and how it might help your movement and your healthy lifestyle. If you like what you hear, Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast app that you listen to us on and tell your friends about us. Welcome back to another edition of Moving to Live. Moving to Live and our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, firmly believe that movement is a lifestyle, not just an activity. With Moving to Live, we try to interview a variety of professionals to get the silo knowledge out there. If you're not in the silo of today's guest, you're probably going to learn something. If you are in the silo of today's guest, you may pick something else up in addition. I want to thank Don Moxley for the intro. About a year and a half ago, I talked to Don and Don is very knowledgeable about HRV. And he said, Hey, you need to download this free app, Elite HRV for measuring your uh, heart rate variability. I think you'd like it. And as I was talking to today's guest before we started recording, I kind of dropped down the rabbit hole uh, with HRV and measuring my sleep quality and what happens if I have a couple of beers, what happens if I have a couple of hard workouts. And I think that this is a topic that's really pertinent for anybody who is active. HRV can be a good measure or a good tool along with other things to measure how your performance is and more importantly, measure if something's going wrong with your wellness. So I'm really happy today to have Jason Moore, who is the inventor of CoreSense, which is a device for measuring HRV. And he is the developer of the Elite HRV app, which is a free app that you can download on Android and Apple Podcasts to measure your HRV. So Jason, thanks for taking time to talk to Moving to Live this morning. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thanks Thanks for reaching out uh, and for the invitation. And, and yeah, Don's a great guy, very knowledgeable about a lot of things. And so movement is a really special thing to me. 
Um, it's very high on my list of priorities. And so uh, if not the highest, maybe second only to my family. But um, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And I think the first question I always like to ask moving to live guests when you get them is you're standing on an elevator or you're standing in line at your local coffee shop and you're wearing a Elite HRV hat or an Elite HRV t-shirt and you strike up a conversation. Somebody says, so Jason, what do you do? What's your kind of boilerplate elevator talk? I'm Jason Moore. This is what I do. Uh, yeah, it's a good, good question. So um, as with anything in life, we uh, kind of tailor our message to our audience. And so um, to, you know, if, if the person's wearing fitness clothes, for example, then I might say, um, well, uh, we have a health and fitness tracking tool called heart rate variability, which measures the state of your nervous system. And in a nutshell, tells you whether or not you can exercise more or exercise harder, or maybe you need to take time for recovery. And it's an objective measure of your body. Uh, so it, it removes the guesswork. And so if the person's wearing office clothes uh, instead, then I might say, uh, well, I may leave the part about nervous system out. We'll see. Because uh, people tend to uh, latch onto that and say, oh, I already know I'm stressed. I don't need to measure it. Um, <laughs> but as we were talking about before the show, um, you know, there's a lot of variation to what that means. But I might say something like, oh, hi, you know, I, I have a uh, health and fitness tracking tool called Elite HRV that pr uh, primarily uses heart rate variability to measure the state of your body and your mind. It helps you have more energy, more motivation, make, make better decisions as to how much you can handle from your uh, exercise, stress, work, and relationships in balance with your sleep, uh, nutrition, and recovery tools. So... Um, again, it removes the guesswork and helps you kind of uh, achieve your goals faster. So that's kind of what we're, our mission is. Um, and hopefully that gives you two flavors out of the many that um, my elevator pitch might sound like to a random stranger. <laughs> and we all know that many runners and cyclists are data geeks. Have you found when you give that uh, speech or that talk that people kind of go, oh, I've never heard of HRV before, or are they more, I've heard of it and I actually use your app? Or do more people say, yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't really understand how it works, so I measure my resting heart rate in the morning? Yeah, there is a spectrum to it. You know, there's um, there are people who are kind of unfamiliar with measuring anything about themselves. Um, and those people sort of glaze over a little bit. And that's okay. <laughs> because eventually, um, you know, we'll get there. But for anyone that's interested about measuring anything with regards to their progress or their uh, current state of their body or their mind, um, they usually perk up and say, oh, interesting, you know, so some people immediately get it. They'll say, oh, wow. So like if I exercise and then uh, eat poorly or drink alcohol afterwards, it can tell me if that was affecting my recovery from my exercise. And I'll be like, wow, I don't know how you got that out of my <laughs> elevator pitch. But yes, that is something you could do with it. And, uh, and then other people, again, like you said, will say, yeah, okay, well, how's that different from heart rate? I measure heart rate. Um, and so then I can, you know, depending on how long that elevator ride is, I can say, well, it's a lot deeper than heart rate. And it goes deep into the nervous system, which is integrated with all of the processes in your body from energy regulation to uh, recovery, digestion, sexual function, all of these things. And we can kind of go down the rabbit hole on that.
And I know that everybody has an interesting story to get to where they are. So I'm always curious for moving to live guests. I know just from reading posts and seeing tweets that, you do, that you've done and what you said at the beginning of the interview is you are a mover. It's an important part of your life. Were you one of those kids when you were growing up that mom and dad said, Jason, get the heck out of the house and don't come back until dinner time? And that was the way you got into movement? Or were you more organized sports? Or were mom and dad very, very active and you kind of initially tagged along and then that's where you got your love for moving? Uh, yeah, you know, when I look back, uh, sometimes, especially now that my time seems so scarce with a newborn and having my own child that's uh, just over three months old, I look back and think, how I don't know how I had enough time to do all these things growing up, but um, I did do organized sports, uh, primarily soccer, um, which has its pros and cons uh, from spending so much time focused on that. But yes, uh, I specifically remember uh, when I was six years old, one of my earliest memories is my dad uh, locking me out of the house. Because there, there was a kid playing. We had just moved. And there was a kid playing across the street and he was just doing some random stuff in the yard. And I was kind of shy. And my dad was like, you're going to go meet that kid and play. And <laughs> we started walking out and then he turned back around and shut the door and locked it. And so uh, I was kind of, uh, especially in that few years, um, spending lots of time outside and uh, had some good influences of friends growing up that also liked to spend time outside doing various things. But then I had this other kind of, uh, it's like, it feels like uh, my shadow life now that I'm talking about it on a movement podcast. But from a very young age, I've also spent a lot of time with technology indoors, not moving. And so, except for moving my fingers really rapidly. But um I had my first computer for myself in first grade and uh, my dad was uh, one of the early uh, innovators in the tech world, um, uh, specifically around networking. But that aside, he helped me build my first computer at a very young age. And I've spent a lot of time on the computer and with technology. And uh, so I have a love-hate relationship with technology because I feel like it can help us in so many ways. Um, but it also is a source of uh, issues for me personally and for many people um, because of what it does to our bodies and minds. Uh, and so happy to unpack that a little bit more, but I've spent a lot of time outside and a lot of time on the computer. And those two are always kind of at odds in a way, but also eventually mutually uh, working together. I'm curious also, as you get older, I know a lot of people when they go to college, maybe they stop moving for a few years because there are all those, and I say this in air quotes, interesting things that you can do in college that may or may not be good for your health. And it's not at all unusual to see somebody come back from their freshman year and they've gained the freshman 10 or the freshman 15. Other people get to college and they discover other movement activities or other people to move with. When you were in college, did you continue to move some way? If so, what way? Or was it more concentrating on the degree work and the technology that you referred to a few minutes ago? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, I feel very grateful, um, especially for the influence of my parents that have been uh, encouraged me to be active for my whole life. So I did continue to be active through college. I played some recreational soccer, uh, went to the gym periodically. Um, I took a tumbling class, a swimming class, a racquetball class, 
Um, so I actually started branching out a little bit more with my movement in college after specializing in soccer throughout high school. And uh, so that was great. But it also started to highlight for me a few things, like you said, as you get older um, and things just don't seem as easy or at least you notice them more. Um, and so around those uh, late high school kind of in college years, I started wondering why it was so hard for me to make progress in my movement or uh, do things that required my upper body because I hadn't used it much in like <laughs> probably a decade. And, um, and then, yeah, if I tried to get more fit, it just seemed like a, an uphill battle. And so that was where I started getting really kind of more research oriented. And I didn't even know it at the time, but then leading into my early twenties became very interested in understanding the body in a deeper way and why it was hard for me uh, to get the results that others seem to get so easily. Of course, I didn't know they were probably having their own struggles behind closed doors, but um, yeah, so that kind of led to another story, which gets me to where I am today. But And I'm curious with that. I mean, I know there's the curiosity. I got into the field that I got into because I was either going to be a marine biology major or an athletic training student. And my first uh, biology class was plant biology, and I hated it. So I said, well, I'm going to become an athletic training major. But from what you're describing, it sounds like it would be very easy for you to say, and I I say this in a positive way, not a derogatory way, but a lab rat, somebody who dives into that physiology lab to figure out what is it about my muscle makeup or what is it about certain people's muscle makeup um, or cellular makeup that allows them to be very, very successful or very, very big. So what was it that prevented you or stopped you from saying, you know, I'm going to get a PhD in physiology or something like that. And I'm really going to dive into that and figure out why is it that I'm not having such an easy time that I think other people are having? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so a couple of reasons, and again, just kind of grateful for where, um, where the waters have taken me, uh, so to speak, but, um, I'm very, um, kind of, in the field oriented, uh, action oriented and entrepreneur oriented. So, um, also from a young age, I've been kind of, uh, always thinking of ideas to start a business and kind of, uh, do my, my own thing there. I guess my dad had an influence on me in that cause he was very entrepreneurial as well. Um, and so, uh, also, I was just, I'm still very enamored with technology and how, it, how it's applied. And so uh, in, in college, I studied information systems and a little bit of computer science as well. And, uh, and so then I went on to actually afterwards get a job uh, working in IT and doing design of uh, large-scale information systems and data systems. And so I was very good at it. I had a knack for it. And that was kind of the the thing that was occupying my academic life. And so the other thing that was really interesting is not too long after college was, as we were talking about before the podcast, a lot more information was becoming available online. And uh, so I was able to get uh, sort of cutting edge anecdotal research um, uh, from people blogging and trying things on themselves and doing different things. Um, and that was a lot more fascinating to me than just kind of digging deeper and deeper into encyclopedias, um, because I, I wanted to see how can I apply this to myself today? Like, I don't want to read about this for 30 years. 
I want to read about it for a little bit and then try something on myself and then keep reading about it and try something on myself. So while I do now, especially as I've aged, appreciate the uh, formal research process and we dig a lot into research, especially with the lead HRV, I also have this uh, other side of the equation where I'm like, how can we apply this? How can I do this today? What's the risk? Eventually, I got really into uh, risk management and uh, decision theory and things like that. Some of Nassim Taleb and Daniel Kahneman's work. But um, from a young age, I kind of intuited that that path as well. We're talking with Jason Moore. He is with Elite HRV. He's developed the app. I'm curious... At what age or how long ago did you first learn about HRV? And then what was the path to saying, you know, I think I could make an app for this and make it a, vi- and make it a viable business versus, you know, I know what, it, I know what uh, HRV is. I'm just going to geek out and make this device, that I, or this device or this app that I can share with my friends. And, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any way I can make money off of this. So what was the, what was the impetus and how did you discover or le- first learn about HRV? Yeah. So um, again, kind of in that, uh, those college years coming out of that, uh, wondering why uh, things seemed hard for me. I also injured myself, uh, uh, minor injuries a few times. um, And then uh, later, uh, some worse injuries. Um, But, uh, and then uh, I guess I've left this part of the equation out. Uh, After college too, as a part of my experimentation with myself and what I was reading about and learning about was I uh, became a personal trainer and fitness coach as well um, as a side passion. In fact, most of the time I didn't even charge for my services. I was just trying to help people um, get better and at the same time understand different flavors of what was going on with um, their movement or their nutrition, their sleep, different things. And so uh, when I was working in the oil industry, which was my job after college, we would cover all this equipment out in the field and sensors and get all these data streams coming in and they're helping us monitor the status and the health of the equipment. And this is very expensive equipment, right? So it's very uh, important for the company to know if it might fail or what kind of maintenance it can, they can do to help it not fail those types of things. And um, so we're doing all this monitoring and health monitoring of the uh, equipment and my day job. I'm coaching people trying to figure out, you know, what are all the variables and inputs that are uh, affecting their ability to get results. Again, if we want to add another tangent to this, I've been a big fan of Bruce Lee from a young age. And so uh, I was the kid that had the little Bruce Lee book and was like, oh, you know, uh, be like water and take, take from everywhere and keep what works and discard the rest, right? So that kind of open-mindedness. And uh, I was thinking, why don't we have more information about the human body? And, you know, uh, we're doing all the sensor monitoring on equipment. Why couldn't we just, you know, monitor uh, our body and see what it's telling us and make better decisions day to day? And of course, there are people doing this for long before I had that epiphany, uh, measuring heart rate, measuring blood markers, measuring body weight, measuring all sorts of stuff. Um, but when I started really getting into it, uh, I wanted to, something better than all of that. And I discovered heart rate variability and some of the promising early research. I say early because it was before it became this term that's talked about on podcasts. Um, 
Um, heart rate variability has been around monitoring it for decades, but it was all done in lab settings or for very special uh, niches. And um, so anyways, I discovered some of the research and realized that uh, Polar specifically had a chest strap that was accurate enough to measure the raw data needed to calculate HRV and that some people were talking about potentially making apps or connecting to the phone, things like that. And I was like, you know what? I don't see any options out there that are very uh, affordable, accessible, and good. In fact, I bought some of the more expensive and clunky tools early on um, because I just wanted to measure it and see if the what was in the research was really true. It became something that was very useful to me personally. And so the long story not so short is that uh, <laughs> I figured I could make a tool and put it out there that would be more useful and accessible than what was available. And um, so I partnered with a friend who was a computer science focused person. And he and I brought the first version of Elite HRV to life in 2014 after uh, several years of research and kind of preparation for that. And uh, initially, even though I have this entrepreneurial streak and I'm always kind of thinking, you know, I want to make a business out of this or I'm going to try to make this business viable. Um, we didn't know or, or if it was going to be a business or not. We, we just put it out there. We had uh, good jobs, which we were grateful for, uh, that were supporting us anyway. So this was just like a weekend project. And um, lo and behold, a ton of people started downloading it. So I say a ton, but in the early days, hundreds and then thousands of people and we started getting all these emails of people like the uh, the national rugby team in England just saying like, hey, we're interested in, uh, you know, your app and uh, let can we meet and this, that and the other. And so it just kind of took on a life of its own and started. Uh, I started realizing very early, yes, this is a very potentially uh, viable business. And so what steps can we take to uh, actually make this happen? And uh, I ended up quitting my day job uh, and traveling and then uh, working on Elite HRV more and more until eventually uh, it became a full-time gig a few years ago. And the rest is history. Now there's over 320,000 people on it. We've got uh, national sports teams, pro sports teams. We've got biohackers. We've got people uh, who are just managing pain um, non-medically, uh, but through lifestyle and wellness uh, changes, people monitoring their cognition to see if they can make better stock market trading decisions, which, uh, by the way, disclaimer, Elite HRV does not guarantee that you will make more profit <laughs> from, <laughs> from the stock market by using our app, but um, really fascinating stuff going on out there. We're talking with Jason Moore. He's the founder of Elite HRV heart rate variability measuring uh, app. I think what was interesting when I first learned about your company and when I was first introduced to your app is it's a free app. And in many instances, I know you probably appreciate this being in the technology industry. The first thing that people do when they come up with an idea is they, they think, how much can I charge for this? <laughs> and maybe, maybe they do something on GoFundMe or maybe they do something on Kickstarter and say, hey, you know, buy something or put some money in and maybe you'll get something if we actually figure out all the problems, which we tell you we figured out, but we actually haven't. 
And what you've got is you've got an app that's free for anybody to download. You've got an extensive list on your website. There's a number of very reasonably priced heart rate straps for your chest. And for literally less than 50 bucks, you can be up and running measuring elite HRV. Mm-hmm. You can also go farther for those people who drop down the rabbit hole because you can, on the app, you can measure and track past measurements of, of days, but you've also got a platform on the web. Kind of talk about the platform on the web that it's for both individual people and teams, whether it's uh, somebody who's coaching a rugby team or somebody who's working with multiple cyclists or runners, they can monitor the HRV of the individual athletes that they're working with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, again, kind of grateful for the way that my life has developed because we were able to put the app out for free because I didn't, I didn't need the money to survive because I had other sources of income. Um, And so that relieved pressure from me for being able to put that out. And allowed me to just uh, say, "Hey, we just want to make this accessible to people. Uh, we don't we don't want to worry about monetization and forcing something like that. Uh, we'll figure that out later if it makes sense." Um, and so the free app is free, obviously, and uh, will remain so uh, for the foreseeable future. And we're just happy to uh, provide that service. And uh, you know, monetization, we, we don't sell people's data and all that type of stuff, which people in the early days would just email, hey, why is this free? Are you selling my data to somebody? No, we don't do that. Um, but then what we found is that people did want to dig a lot deeper into the, the analytics and the statistics. So uh, for the people who want to kind of understand their trends over time and, and do deeper data analytics, that stuff is also a little bit more processing uh, intensive for us to provide that service um, versus just allowing you to kind of track stuff on your phone. Um, And so uh, that kind of was a natural fit for us to release a pro subscription is what we call it basically. So it it integrates with a a web interface. If you like to see charts and uh, trends and things in in a bigger screen and allow you to slice and dice a little bit deep more deeply and um, that's going to be integrated into the mobile app too with some more advanced features in the near future. So people can kind of access that from the uh, app soon. And so, um, yeah, basically that's just a, a, a subscription. It's um, nothing uh, exorbitantly priced compared to what we have other s- subscriptions we see, but it also allows businesses and teams to enter the picture as well. So, Uh, As a coach, you can aggregate and analyze all of your clients' data if you like, and you can slice and dice that data based on groups that you define. So if you have like a a gym, for example, that has kind of more advanced uh, trainees and then more beginner trainees, you can group those people and see the trends independently for your advanced folks and your uh, more beginner folks. And uh, yeah, and then the neat thing too that we found is by making this accessible to people is that we start getting so many messages back about all the neat things that people are discovering about themselves or their clients by, you know, just measuring and they just start to measure, track a few things on the side like sleep or exercise or maybe if they have a specific goal like weight loss, they might track their body weight or their waist to hip ratio, for example, Um, or if they're a mover that's trying to 
uh, develop more advanced skills like um, muscle up progressions or, um, you know, something like that, then they might track that. And so it helps if you track your specific goal. If you have a goal, that's even better. Um, and then also tracking a few of the things along the way, like HRV can really help you uh, course correct as you're working your way towards that goal. And I know, as you noted, there is a lot of data that you can get from this app. And some people want that. Other people say, look, I take my resting heart rate every morning and I know what that is. And that gives me an idea. Kind of a two-part question here. The first mm-hmm. part is for those people who say, I take my resting heart rate, if you could kind of briefly describe to them, kind of convince them, this is why HRV is potentially better. And then the second follow-up to that is what I think is interesting about some of the apps and some of the things you see out there for measuring physiological variables. Some of them you can look at the data and go, I have absolutely no way how to use this. Other ones give you a neat little score. And Elite HRV falls into that latter category. If you don't want to drop down that rabbit hole and download reams and reams of data, you can get a score. So kind of two-part question is, why HRV instead of heart rate? And I should, I should note to the listeners that the Elite HRV app does give you the heart rate, so you can still do your heart rate. And then the second thing is kind of talk a little bit about the score for people who say, look, I just want something down and dirty. Maybe this is better for me than heart rate, but how do I use this or what do I look at? Because it's pretty easy to say my heart rate's 60, my heart rate's 75, something's wrong today versus when it was 60. Mm, right. Okay. So yeah, that's a great question. In fact, uh, one of the most common questions we got over the early years before HRV started becoming a little bit more known was, you know, how's this different from heart rate? And so we wrote a blog post on hrvcourse.com called Heart Rate Versus Heart Rate Variability. Um, That post may end up being moved to the Elite HRV blog, but either way, you can find it. Um, And there's some pretty good points in there. Um, First, I'd like to lead with measuring just your heart rate is a great start. Um, So your heart can tell you a lot just from the beats per minute. Um, However, with just a little bit more accuracy, you can actually start to capture heart rate variability in addition to just that beats per minute. And so the accuracy piece is important. I won't dig too deeply into that at this moment, but um, there's a lot of claims out there in the market about uh, different variations in heartbeat. And what we've seen, and the research backs this up, is that you need a high degree of accuracy to calculate HRV, which is heart rate variability. And so heart rate variability is looking at the tiny changes between each and every heartbeat. We're talking little millisecond changes. And those little millisecond changes are, those actually correlate with activity from your nervous system. Specifically, I mean, also other things like the respiratory system and uh, blood pressure and other things like that. But we're specifically interested in the influence that the autonomic nervous system has on the heart because the autonomic nervous system is one of the primary responders and controllers of your stress and your recovery. And so what does that mean? Uh, So basically, when you're stressed, like, for example, when you exercise, that's a physical stress. It's a good stress, usually. Um, But uh, it's a physical stress. Your heart rate goes up because your nervous system tells it to increase and your, uh, you know, your blood sugar, your blood pressure, um, your pupils dilate, all of that increases to respond to that physical stress. And the autonomic nervous system 
specifically the sympathetic branch of it, um, is one of the primary uh, controllers of that process. And so um, hopefully that wasn't too deep and too, or too quick. But then the other side of the equation is your resting and digesting side of the equation is that parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system that slows your heart rate down, lowers blood pressure, helps you digest food, helps with sexual function, lowers blood sugar. And that's actually the state that you should be spending most of your time in. So even if you were a hunter-gatherer out in the wild and you're constantly worried about predators, I say constant, but that's maybe an exaggeration, worried about predators, uh, moving around, climbing trees for your food, still the majority of your time is spent resting. And um, the problem is nowadays, again, I won't go too far down on this, is that uh, due to the psychological demands, the uh, social and cultural demands that we have, as well as, again, technology um, and things, we spend more time in that fight-or-flight response than we typically should. And it's not manifesting in the form of physical stress, which is what our body's designed to handle. More movement, essentially. Um, So nowadays, not enough movement. Um, And so we can measure all of that. And uh, and again, so by measuring your HRV, I want to highlight, it doesn't say, okay, you measured your HRV, and it just knows that you climbed a tree and got a coconut down. It doesn't know that, but it can tell you at at any given moment um, with about 60 seconds of data, if your body is in that deeper stress state or if it's starting a recovery process or, you know, what kind of your baseline level of health, fitness, energy, stress is. And so it goes a lot deeper than just heart rate. And again, we kind of write more about this on the blog. We have a podcast, of course, too, if you're interested in that. But um, it goes a lot deeper, and it's not that much harder to measure. That's kind of the beauty of why why worry why care about HRV, right? Heart rate's so easy to measure. Well, if you just have a heart rate monitor that's accurate enough, measuring HRV is just as easy as measuring your heart rate, <laughs> and you get so much more out of it. And I know it's it's a good time to ask the question as far as measuring heart rate. We've talked a little bit about chest straps, which kind of for in the field is kind of the gold standard, but you see a variety of watches now that you can measure heart rate off the back of the wrist with optical heart rate. Why the chest strap for communicating with the elite, elite HRV app versus saying, hey, we're going to allow people to, if they have a watch that takes the optical heart rate, why not use optical heart rate off the wrist? Yeah, it's a good, good, good question. So it comes back to that accuracy um, that I mentioned earlier. And so um, you can see heart rate rising and falling generally by measuring heart rate from the wrist. And those devices are pretty good now for measuring heart rate, and that's beats per minute. And the problem is, is that the variations we're looking for are very tiny. And so it's a lot easier to say, okay, you've had 10 heartbeats in 10 seconds than it is to say exactly when each of those beats occurred with millisecond accuracy. And so um, that's where the chest strap comes in. That's still been kind of the gold standard from what's available to the public. Um, Of course, in the lab, the gold standard is actually still multi-lead ECGs with adhesives and wires everywhere. Um, And But what's interesting now too is that uh, so We've come out with a device, which you mentioned uh, earlier, CoreSense, that can, uh, that's a dedicated HRV sensor from your finger. 
And between that and the chest strap, a lot of labs are actually switching to these devices because even though they get maybe a 0.01% difference uh, in the data accuracy from their multi-lead ECGs, it's so much easier to track the data that they can get more data, more data points, more longitudinal data, and it's just way easier and cheaper to run their studies. And so the accuracy component for these devices like the chest strap and core sense is uh, it's there uh, as far as quality of data enough for it to be used in research labs. Um, however, some of the risk-based devices that are um, not dedicated to HRV, they're not specialty HRV devices, and they have to make a lot of compromises to be uh, on the wrist um, is that they don't quite provide the accuracy necessary to measure HRV. Um, and that's especially if the person is moving, right? And so um, there's a, a lot of noise in the signal that, at the wrist. And if you're moving at all, which these devices are, are designed to you know, encourage movement um, and also be there for when you exercise, if you're moving at all, you just can't get accurate HRV data from that location in today's technology. And for people who are listening, who maybe are familiar with the chest strap and are now going to the internet to find out about the CoreSense, how does the CoreSense work for measuring HRV during movement? Is this more for passive or can you actually put it on and go for a run? So what we found is that, um, so to first quickly answer your question, no, CoreSense is designed to be used at rest when you're not moving. So you can stand or you can meditate or do breathing exercises, that type of stuff, but um, it's not intended to be worn during exor uh, exercise. We have received questions about if people could swim with it. Um, it's That would be really interesting anyways, but it is not designed for that. Um, but what we found and the reason why we designed it this way is that people have their watch or their, uh, you know, wearable device that they like. Um, usually it has a bunch of features like GPS built into it or um, emojis and text messages, something like that, right? And it's also fashion fashionable. So there's a lot of people competing for that spot on the wrist that are uh, catering to all of these diverse needs that you have. Well, when it comes to HRV, what we saw is in the research and in the data that we've gathered over millions of millions of readings that we now have in our platform, is that the most important time to measure is right when you wake up in the morning or at some set interval that only takes like one to five minutes. And so you really just need like one rested measurement per day for under a few minutes. And you have like the majority of the value of tracking HRV on an ongoing basis. And so... Um, Having that use case in mind and having most of our users behave that way, hundreds of thousands of people, <laughs> is we're like, well, okay, instead of trying to put something on your wrist that you're going to have to wear all the time or something else that you're going to have to wear all the time, why don't we just empower people to measure accurate HRV as quickly and easily as possible? They can just slip it on their finger, measure at rest, and then put it down and you're done and you get all the data that you need to make better decisions. And that's why we designed CoreSense in that form factor. I know that some people are going to listen to this and say, well, why should I buy an additional device? As somebody who started out with the chest strap and is 300 and some odd days in a row into measuring 
uh, HRV, I can say that we're getting up in the morning, rolling over, picking up the chest strap, moistening the chest strap, attaching the stress strap, then waiting three to five minutes for your heart rate to go back down is much more of a pain in the butt than reaching over and grabbing this little device that goes on your finger. So you may have a different way or a better explanation for that. But as somebody who uses the device and paid full retail, retail Jason didn't give it to me. That's why I bought the CoreSense. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I agree. Same. I have a pile of chest straps um, because over the years we've tested all sorts of them. Um, and I, uh, we still do test our app with test chest straps to make sure that it still functions for the people who prefer that. Um, but every time I go to put it on, uh, the wet chest strap around the chest thing, I'm always like, ah, oh. <laughs> cause I'm so used to using my, our core sense of course. But, um, yeah, it's, it's exactly that. Um, it, it's, it's, it reduces the friction, but keeps the accuracy and the same reason why research labs are switching from their uh, multi-lead adhesives to a chest strap and or core sense is because when you reduce the friction, you're able to get a better uh, outcome generally. Uh, like you mentioned, you had to wait three to five minutes for your heart rate to come back down when you were uh, getting up and fiddling with the chest strap. And uh, having to do that every day can create enough friction to where you just ditch the habit. And again, kind of coming back around to why, why an extra device that's just for HRV, is HRV even worth an extra device? Um, and that kind of comes back to earlier, heart rate versus HRV, some of the things I explained there. But uh, HRV has now been clinically validated as one of the most comprehensive biomarkers of health and fitness that you can measure from home. And so this tool is exploding in interest right now because of the power of what you can get out of the data. And so again, having this little device on your bedside table, waking up, popping it on your finger for two minutes, and then moving on with your day gives you a huge uh, advantage if you're trying to achieve any health or fitness related goal or even stress related uh, cognitive goals that's popular too. And so that's why people do it. And I know that from being a user of the Elite HRV app, you get a number if you don't want to drop down the rabbit hole. You get a number or a score. And I also noticed that what you get, when you, whether you use the core sensor, the Elite HRV, is you get the number of artifacts. So you may get a score mm -hmm. of 50. And if you can kind of first explain this, what, what the score means for somebody who maybe says, I don't want to download a giant spreadsheet. And mm -hmm. then talk a little bit about artifacts. And when somebody's using this device, uh, I learned very early on, if my dog is lying, touching me and touching the chest strap, I get a lot of artifacts. So kind of describe what artifacts is and for, are. And for somebody who's using the device, what percentage artifacts should you say, okay, maybe I should throw this reading out and remeasure uh, by HRV? Yeah, great question. So again, you know, you're highlighting the importance of accuracy. I'll come back to that though. Uh, for the score, what we found is that there's so many different statistical values that fall under the umbrella term HRV. And so we were giving all this raw data back to users, which attracted our early audiences of people who were into the research already in the early days and uh, were willing to take these raw data and go compare it to uh, research studies and things like that. Well, really quickly, word of mouth, uh, pretty much all of our growth on the platform has been word of mouth. 
um, people were like, okay, my friend told me I should measure HRV. They convinced me. Um, now I got it. And now I have all this raw data. What do I do? <laughs> right. So, uh, we started to make that a little bit easier in the app and make, uh, so we developed our HRV score. So that was kind of the first step to say, this is a one to 100 score. And at the end of your reading, which is one to two minutes, usually for most people, um, you get an HRV score. And this score basically tells you, okay, have you, uh, are you depleted or are you relatively recovered? Or, you know, what's the general state of your body right now, right? And so that was kind of step one, you get a one to 100 score. The average score across the population is 60. And uh, our elite athletes get up into the 80s sometimes, um, even potentially close to 90, uh, but that's pretty rare. And then people who are um, battling a little bit more with their health in general may uh, drop down into the 30s, 40s, um, hopefully not too much lower than that. But we do have people who have uh, more severe health conditions that are down in the teens and 20s on that resting measurement. That and the score also tells you, you have a graph that tells you whether your score is more towards the sympathetic nervous system being active versus the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. So that's the next step there. So our HRV score is the one to 100. Then what we found is that people wanted uh, a little bit more about, okay, so what do I do if my score goes up or down like a few points, right? And so we developed what we call our morning readiness score from there. And so that's kind of like a daily baseline uh, evaluation of that HRV score. So if your HRV score has gone up or down, um, our algorithms look for patterns in it automatically and takes uh, some of the analysis out of it for you and then provides you a gauge that has a green, yellow, and red light of kind of how, based on your HRV, you know, generally, how's your body doing? Is it in balance or is it kind of out of balance towards that stress side of the equation, that sympathetic nervous system side, or is it out of balance towards the recovery side, which also can be negative um, towards that parasympathetic side? And so, yep, just like you mentioned, um, each morning you get a little green, yellow, red light indicating, you know, how ready your body is to handle more stress today. And what people do is, again, uh, this is coming back to that elevator pitch. We say, hey, we give you a green, yellow, red as to whether or not your body or mind can handle more stress today. And this is just uh, in all likelihood. Um, and if you're going to uh, achieve some type of long-term positive outcome by piling it on or not. So people are like, well, I still have to go to work. <laughs> right. So, you know, what we recognize is that life doesn't stop because you got a yellow or a red score in the morning. Most people can't just say, oh, yellow or red, turn over. I'm going back to sleep and I'll, I'll try again tomorrow for life. Um, and but what it can help you do is let's say that managing your weight is uh, a goal that you have right on that yellow or red day your willpower and motivation to avoid bad decisions with regards to snacking or uh, the, the type of food that you buy uh, or eat is going to be lower, statistically speaking. And research shows this, that lower HRV statistically leads to uh, less favorable decision making. And so 
you may say, okay, yellow or red, I'm going to go into this workday knowing that my willpower might be a little depleted. So what I'm going to do is either try to bring a snack with me that's not too damaging or avoid the break room because I know that there's donuts in there. Or I'm going to always keep a water bottle with me because a lot of times when I'm hungry, I'm actually thirsty. And so I'll drink that water and wait two minutes and then see if I'm actually hungry, right? So that's like a a way that you can use the data. You don't have to change your whole life. It's just a small way to make a tweak. And then over time, you should see improvements in the data and also in your goal. And then the other side of the equation, the movement and exercise piece, which a lot of people uh, use HRV for. Let's say you work out uh, for professional athletes, sometimes it's twice a day, like six days a week. Um, and they're not going to change their whole routine because they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, for example. Um, but what they can do is make more macro level changes because they're more advanced athletes that train all the time. They can say, okay, this week I'm going to push it. Next week, since I've accumulated a lot of load from last week, I'm going to uh, cut my overall load for the coming week. And usually they'll have a a coach that's working with them on that. But for the everyday person who says, okay, I work out maybe uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or maybe one day a week, something like that. If you wake up and you get a yellow or red score, and that's the only day of the week that you're going to exercise or that you have time to exercise, that's okay. Uh, You want to be aware of injury potential because statistically speaking, uh, injuries are more likely to occur when you're depleted. Um, So just be aware of that. But aside from that, it's okay to still exercise because exercise is a very positive stress and it's probably better for you to still do that and make adjustments to everything else than to skip the exercise or movement. And uh, the other things, so again, if you have flexibility, you can move the exercise to the next day. There's also a fair way to approach it. Um, But otherwise, I really encourage movement and exercise and adjusting everything else, which would be, okay, I know I'm depleted. I'm going to exercise. Maybe I'll try to do five or 10 minutes of deep breathing exercises this evening before bed. Or maybe I'll try to go to bed an hour earlier or 30 minutes earlier, try to get a little bit of extra recovery. Because what happens is if you're in the yellow or red, if you're depleted and then you push it hard and you don't add any additional recovery and you don't prioritize the recovery from that is that you're actually kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And so the way that we make improvements in our body or mind is we challenge ourselves, which kind of breaks us down a little bit, like challenging your muscles, right? When you lift weights, but then on the recovery side is where you actually make the improvement. And so when you lift weights, it kind of breaks your muscles down. You don't instantly get stronger. So otherwise you could just keep lifting heavier and heavier weights in the moment, right? Um, You actually get weaker, so to speak, as you, uh, train in that uh, scenario. But then when you recover, your muscles rebuild over the course of days, sometimes weeks, depending on the type of exercise and your experience level. And that's when your muscles get stronger, your endurance gets better, your heart gets healthier, your body and mind get uh, more advanced and adapt is through that recovery process. And so if you push it hard when you're depleted, you're just pushing yourself further down 
and uh, it's not actually leading to the improvements that you're trying to get in the beginning. And somebody's getting a score and they see that they have zero artifacts or they have five artifacts or 10 artifacts. What is an artifact? And at what point should they say, you know, maybe I ought to just reboot the app and spend another one, two, three minutes taking an HRV score again? Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, the, the morning check-in is great for folks that also embrace it as a time to check in with themselves each day. We kind of launch into our day and sometimes people are just like, oh, I don't even have one minute to devote to myself before I launch into my day. And that's a sad story. Um, and I know from experience that that can happen. I've been a very busy with a, a, a recent baby and a thriving and growing business and all that and trying to exercise. But to your point, um, when you take that reading, we try to be very open and transparent about the quality of the data that you're recording. And so we've been really strict from that from the beginning, which is why we also now show you the quality of the signal that we're receiving from the heart rate monitor. And so when the app, uh, when you take the reading, it shows you uh, a gauge of how many artifacts, which artifacts are basically noise in the signal um, or false heartbeats, things like that. Things that lead to a, a calculation that may be wrong is essentially what we're talking about here. Would, it, would yeah. it be correct to say that the HRV app and what you're using to measure the heart rate are tools and you have to look at the data critically and the artifacts are helping you look at the data critically to realize, for example, sitting with... Uh, your cat on your chest while you're doing it may not be the best way to get the best signal. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And the, the term that people use in various industries is garbage in garbage out. So, you know, basically you could put your, it's kind of like uh, when people put their step counters on their, on their dog, <laughs> it's like, okay, if all your goal is, is to like maximize your steps and you just want to put it on your dog so that your friends get jealous that you stepped a hundred thousand times today, um, then fine. But if you're actually trying to learn about yourself, you want an accurate step counter that's actually showing you the number of steps that you did that day. And, um, you know, steps is a very limited use case, uh, limited value add, uh, thing, but, uh, the same goes for HRV. So if you have a crappy signal in your, uh, for example, if you're using a monitor, that's not accurate, or if you're moving around a bunch, or if you have something else going on, that's adding noise to that signal, then you're really not getting a good view of what's going on underneath the surface. And, and we think it's important to be, you know, honest with yourself and also, we want to be honest with you when we say green, yellow, red. Uh, so that's why we try to help flag when we think we're receiving a noisy signal. And uh, so, yeah, like you said, um, taking that uh, two minutes to uh, restart the reading if we give you a bad signal rating. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now, which will be released pretty soon, is uh, building that into the reading itself so that you don't have to wait till the end of the reading to understand that. And again, we're still talking only one to two minutes for most people. Um, but even so, it would be better to find out in 30 seconds than in one to two minutes. So um, we're kind of building a lot of that into the reading now um, so that while you're taking the reading, we can kind of give little warnings if we think that the signal is losing quality 
or uh, if we if we think that there's something else that you need to do. And so that'll be kind of built in very gracefully, hopefully, uh, so as not to distract. But yeah, signal quality and accuracy are very important, and that's something we've been strict on from the beginning, hence why we have that signal quality rating at the end of every reading. And I'm curious, my I don't know why I have done this, but it's kind of like my theory or my practice has been, I take my uh, HRV for three minutes every morning. And my rule of thumb is if I see a 3% or greater artifacts, I redo it. Is that, am I being too strict or is that what you as a the app developer would say that's a good, a, a good value? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a pretty good goal to have. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, we have some uh, ratings built in uh, to the signal, uh, to the artifact detection that help you know if it's kind of in the green, the yellow, or the red as far as artifacts goes as well. Um, and we're kind of refining and tuning that over time. What we're finding, and this will be, this is kind of cool for the future for people who like to geek out on data, is that we can get smarter about the types of artifacts that we're detecting. And so we kind of treat all artifacts as signal noise right now that that leads to a, a lower uh, signal quality rating. But different types of artifacts are actually uh, more or less impactful to the scoring. And so we're building that all into all of our algorithms and trying to automate all of that so that you don't have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, you know, basically trying to keep the reading as clean as possible is a good goal. Another rule of thumb that some people like to have is one artifact per minute of readings. So, um, if you do a three minute reading and you have, you know, three artifacts, then you're kind of on the fence a little bit there. Um, but if you have 10 artifacts in the three minute reading, then that's probably a good candidate to toss out and redo. And, um, the other thing too, is that algorithmically, the more artifacts you have percentage wise, the harder it is for us to differentiate artifacts from reality, right? Because we have to compare the artifacts to something. <laughs> and so if we're trying to compare, if you have like half the signal is artifacts and half the signal is normal heart rate data, then, you know, we can differentiate that, but it becomes harder algorithmically to pick out each and every uh, beat from that uh, versus kind of when it's a nice clean signal. And so it's better to just have as clean as you can from the start. Uh, like you said, if you see higher artifacts or 3% or maybe more than one per minute, it might be a good candidate to toss out. We're talking with Jason Moore. He is the founder of Elite HRV. We've been talking about heart rate variability with a big emphasis of kind of setting aside it's one to three minutes in the morning as your time kind of set yourself for the day and measure where is your, for lack of a better term, stress level. Is this the day to do the hard workout or not? One of the things we haven't mentioned that I think it's important to mention that the app does do, and Jason alluded to the fact that we have so much going on around us that we have high levels of stress, is you can also use the app with the chest strap or the CoreSense finger device to do guided breathing. If you kind of describe that a little bit, I know a lot of people say, well, I like to go to yoga class or I like to do my meditation. You can use this device and, or this app and do guided breathing and essential, essentially do your own meditation and see if it actually works. Are you actually allowing yourself to become calmer and more centered? Yeah. You know, meditation and mindfulness and breathing exercises are all becoming very popular as well because they're great tools to combat the 
uh, modern world that we live in as far as stress management goes. Um, but they're also being used in high-performance sports, uh, physical sports, and cognitive sports. So executives trying to make great business decisions, um, stock market traders, golfers right before they golf swing, um, basketball right before the free throw, gymnastics right before the dismount, um, your breathing and that and all of the things that are associated with breathing have a strong impact on your body. And it provides a tool that you can control that gives you uh, actual control over your nervous system. And so this concept is called uh, biofeedback, where we measure something about our body, in this case, HRV. Then we use some tool or tactic, in this case, breathing, to gain control over something that we previously didn't have control over. So if, I, if you were in the elevator with me, let's say we just met, and I said, please um, rebalance your nervous system, um, turn off that fight or flight response, and please up your digestion and uh, you know, re- lower your blood sugar, please. And uh, <laughs> I'm waving my hands at you on the screen. I know this won't be, that won't be uh, posted with the audio, but um, it sounds pretty ridiculous to say all of that. But essentially what we can do through HRV biofeedback and breathing is that we can short circuit that uh, process and also gain control over it. So when you alter your breathing patterns, your nervous system doesn't have a choice but to respond accordingly because your respiratory system and your nervous system are deeply integrated. So when you start breathing longer and slower, especially longer exhales, then that actually naturally calms down the nervous system and lowers your heart rate and lowers your blood pressure. And uh, in many cases can allow you to think clearer if you're kind of in a buzzy, uh, kind of a heady, uh, sympathetic state. And so, um, you know, meditation, breathing practices, these types of things are uh, thousands of years old. And uh, if not tens of thousands, millions, depending, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, but anyways, as far as our modern culture goes, thousands of years old. And, but before there was not really a way to measure, to know if it was working for you or not, or if you were doing it correctly. And so that's the problem we run into today is people are always wondering, am I doing this right? Um, I don't know. And they're very distracted. They, I'm me included. We are very distracted. Uh, there's phones, there's computers, there's people talking to us. There's things we need to do tomorrow, things we need to do next week, things we forgot to do last week, all these things going on. And HRV helps us kind of focus in on one thing and say, okay, I'm just going to sit down for five minutes, practice my breathing patterns, We provide a little visualization in the app and some audio if you want. Um, So you can kind of close your eyes and hear it saying breathe in, breathe out, or you can just watch to kind of count the breaths uh, that way. Um, But the goal here is to raise up that HRV score in the moment. And so HRV responds in real time to your changes in stress and recovery and your mindset and the balance of your nervous system, which makes it a great tool for this live biofeedback. So what you can do is, you know, put on a meditation if you want, listening to one, or you can just sit down and do a body scan if people have heard of that, or you can do different breathing patterns, specifically like long, slow exhales are are a great place to start. 
and see what your HRV does immediately in the moment. Is your HR, if your HRV starts going up and you start to see a smoother up and down pattern uh, on, the, on our visualization on the screen, then you know that you're having an impact on your nervous system. And that's really cool because, uh, again, coming back to that elevator pitch, if I told you, hey, in 60 seconds or less, you can learn to gain control over your nervous system and ramp it, rev it up or turn it down based on what you need. People would be like, wow, that sounds like science fiction. And, you know, again, my love-hate relationship with technology is this technology is helping us to rediscover things about ourselves that generations ago people might have known through uh, trial and error uh, or things that we do naturally, for example, uh, before doing a free throw in basketball or a golf swing or dismounting from a gymnastics move or uh, weightlifting, for example. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that kind of helps describe. Um, and you can play with different patterns and see what works best for you. That's again, kind of our motto is everybody's uh, a unique snowflake. <laughs> so uh, see what works best for you and measure and see how it goes. We've been talking with Jason Moore. He's the founder of Elite HRV. I think he's given a pretty accurate baseline description of what HRV is, how you can use it within their app. If you wanted to learn more, if you're like me and you have access to lots and lots of research articles through my university library, you have something that you also offer, I think a couple times a year, which I took last summer. You have a, a HRV class that people can take and it's not how to use the Elite HRV app, but it's for more information on learning more about HRV, the background behind it. And I know it's only open certain times of the year. If you kind of briefly talk about that before we finish up. Sure. Yep. So hrvcourse.com. Um, and essentially the reason why we made that is because again, I talked about in the early days of the business, we started receiving thousands of emails. I've purchased personally answered 15,000 plus emails from uh, people asking us questions about HRV and how it works and what's the science and all of that stuff. And our team has done double or triple that easily. Um, and we were like, okay, can we provide a comprehensive resource that guides people about the foundational science of HRV and how then that is applied to the real world with regards to exercise, sleep, nutrition, stress management, um, some of the, you know, the key pillars that we have uh, in our lives as far as lifestyle and wellness goes to getting better results and outcomes. And so it's called the Foundations of HRV course. And again, it, it starts from the ground up. You don't need to be a physiologist to understand it. Um, and it really kind of walks you through the baseline levels of uh, uh, the baseline science of stress and the stress response in the body and why that matters and how that relates to the nervous system and then how that relates to HRV and the various numbers of HRV that you might see out in the world or in research and then how those translate to the real world application piece. And we actually have had physiologists and doctors take it and say that they've learned a lot from it, which is really um, scary in one uh, sense, but we're also glad to be able to teach people about this. Um, but again, you don't have to be that deep of uh, into the research already to benefit from it. We've been talking to Jason Moore. He's the founder of Elite HRV. You can download the Elite HRV app from Apple uh, iTunes, or there's also a Droid app. Actually, mm -hmm. Apple apps, not Apple iTunes. 
and we will have extensive show notes of the variety of links that he linked to. Jason, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to Moving to Live. I know that HRV can be a very good tool if you want to improve your movement quality or maybe you're starting a movement practice and want to make sure you're doing things the right way healthily. So Jason, thanks for talking to Moving to Live. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a great discussion and, uh, you know, I'm happy to help people, uh, figure out how they can move more often and higher quality, uh, as much as I can. So, uh, keep on keeping on cause you're doing a great thing here. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore MOV number two LIV. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving. <laughs>